This episode is brought to you by LSW London, whose mission is to create beautiful, effective products to help people live their most authentic, fulfilled lives. As Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. If we repeatedly do things which make us happy, what could that lead to? All of their products are designed with this in mind, to help people live with intention, creating healthy habits each day, which positively impact mental health, well-being, and self-care. So let's start with their mind cards. These are a gorgeous little bundle of mixed cards where you select a card at random and take the actions stated on it. There are different versions for kids or new mums, for example, and just wouldn't that make such a special gift? Well, you know I love to self-gift. And these mind cards are perfect for building the habit of making positive choices each day to help you lead a more fulfilling and happy life. Whether it's to express gratitude, reflect on a thought or a prompt to get you to spend more time journaling. Well, speaking of journals, LSW London are stunning. Their Mind Notes one is a six-month undated daily well-being journal, but they also have a Morning Notes version, which is specifically for use in the morning to help you start each day with a positive mindset and to encourage you to identify obstacles which you can utilise in a way that benefits you. Best of all, they're a small female-owned business. Lily has used her expertise as a therapist to create all of these fantastic well-being tools so that they're easy and accessible to everyone all around the world. So use code BOOKRECOS for 20% off everything at www.lswmindcards.com for great quality, beautiful mindfulness products. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. And today we are chatting to Kate Maxwell, author of a brand new book coming out this week called Hush, which is a beautifully written taboo-busting novel about motherhood and identity. We also felt like it was the perfect time to revisit the theme of motherhood with a few more reads from over the last few months. There are a lot of five-star records coming your way today. We just so loved reading Hush, just couldn't put it down and are so delighted to welcome Kate to the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Um, So Kate... Before we kick off, could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about Hush in your own words? Sure. So Hush is a coming of age novel um, about motherhood, identity and belonging. Um, It follows a character called Stevie who decides in her late 30s to leave her high flying life in Manhattan and move back to London to have a child on her own. Um, She thinks the baby is going to be the missing part in her life, but she's completely unprepared for the realities of motherhood and the impact it has on her identity. And she begins to think about what she might do to escape. Um, And the book follows her journey from her glamorous life in New York uh, to her life back in London with the baby. Um, And it's written in alternating chapters. So you get Mm. a chapter in London and then a chapter in New York. And I loved that. Same. We love we love a timeline that jumps around. Um, and just from the opening, I knew I was gonna love this book. I texted Lauren like a great opener. We're in for a treat. Oh, um, so pleased. So it starts with Stevie in the hospital having just given birth, and it's almost 
upsetting how mm. quickly she's stripped of her identity when she says that she's just referred to as mum and everyone says, how's mum doing? And she just completely has lost her name immediately. Mm. Um, and it made me wonder what came first for you when putting pen to paper for the story of a mother feeling detached from her child or and like was it that you wanted it to be the mother story or the identity story if I don't that's a really good question um I think what came first really was the character of Stevie okay um and and that character really came from conversations that I had um with friends when we were living in New York um in our early 30s and you know we had jobs that we really enjoyed and we were dating doing that New York thing um that you know that you hear about and is absolutely true in terms of the you know the multiple dating the all these kind of crazy crazy very sex in the city (laughs) Uh, I guess it was a bit yeah um but um you know not we hadn't met any we hadn't had really any sort of serious relationships and and several of us knew that we wanted to have children so we had lots of chats about how we might go about that and we talked about egg freezing and sperm donation we talked about adoption um, and in the end, you know, my my route to motherhood was was pretty conventional. Um, but I, I sort of kept thinking about that idea um, and, you know, what it might be like to have a child on your own. Um, and that's really how I came up with with the idea of Stevie, I guess. Um, you know, she she thinks that it's 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 the missing piece in her life, but it doesn't really mm. turn out like that. And and you know, one of the thing, one of the themes of the book is is the fact that she doesn't have this instant bond with her baby yeah and I think that was something that I'd heard about from from friends um and I thought it was something that that wasn't explored much in fiction um Mm. and yeah so that was that was something I wanted to to look into yeah that's so true I have a friend who had a baby and I said how are you both getting on she was like yeah good like I love her but I don't actually know her so (laughs) like I'm sure I'll love her more and I was like that is so true just everyone talks about like this overwhelming feeling of love as soon as you give birth but you've got no idea who this other human is I think that's so true yes that kind of yeah that's an oceanic bliss that you're supposed to feel (laughs) but yeah this baby appears and as you say you know we all love and like people more as we get to know them but it's just (laughs) yeah 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 it's 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 a huge expectation and and, um, a real taboo I think when when women don't feel that instant bond but um you know I think a lot of people really feel unable to talk about it absolutely and motherhood in itself I think can be quite a loaded topic because it is such a it's such a personal experience to each and every individual um but in many ways it having that sort of mentality around motherhood is, is hindering us particularly for women like Stevie because we're sort of setting them up with unrealistic expectations of what motherhood truly is and you know the ups and the downs of of being a mother yeah. and obviously I think everyone should read this book man or woman because it is just so eye-opening from that perspective particularly as someone who hasn't had a child but did you have a specific reader in mind when you were writing and was there something that you hoped that that person would take away from this book? Mm. Uh, I don't think I did have a specific reader in mind when I was writing it. Um, I think, you know, this is my first novel. Um, and I, I think actually 
it's quite important probably not to think too deeply about the reader when when you're writing a book because I think otherwise you'd be completely paralyzed okay, yeah. <laughs> I think you kind of wait save that anxiety for when the book comes out which is obviously what's happening at the moment and I'm like thinking oh my god what if so-and-so doesn't <laughs> like it, it. yeah people look at it, what people are gonna read it? <laughs> um, but I do hope that it'll appeal to women at lots of different stages of their lives whether they're pre-kids like you two um, and thinking about whether they might want to have them or mm. in the mid in the midst of what one of my friends describes as the head fuck that is having children um or you know out the other side um and uh, yeah a few men who've read it um have really liked it so far so so that's okay. another audience good yeah. but I think in terms of what you what you you just mentioned about you know expectations I think yeah yeah, I mean, there are so many things I think that's acceptable to be um, honest about when when you're in those sort of the, the first throes of motherhood. And I think, you know, we see a lot of that increasingly on social media, which is really good. But yeah. I think often it's things like, oh, I'm so tired, I'm completely exhausted or look, I've got sick on baby sick on my shoulder. Or those slightly amusing aspects of, of yeah. early motherhood. Um, and I think it is less acceptable to, to say, you know, I thought I was going to fall in love with this baby and I thought this was going to be you know absolutely wonderful and I was Completely. gonna love every single moment of it and people keep telling me to you know just hang on to mm. every moment because it's gone in a flash and and I just don't feel that way yet um so I hope people do feel able to be a bit more open about those things when they read it yeah I think they definitely will it's done so well um, and I actually want to circle back slightly to the mention of New York earlier, because as I was reading, I was like, okay, she must have lived in Oh my New God, York. yes, I was going to ask this question too. I was like, okay, I need to go back to that. And yeah. um, I wondered, you know, so much of Stevie's identity is in her career and she's so good at her job. And that's all kind of, we don't really see her do her job in London so much. It's mostly New York. And I wondered, did you always know that you were going to have her career part and her and her younger life in New York like you had definitely yeah I mean I, I lived in New York for six years uh, I worked at Condé Nast Traveler magazine and then at a travel startup and I really loved it it was just such an amazing experience um so I definitely wanted to write about New York um and I and I missed it you know I missed that the city itself the kind of bones of the city so I really enjoyed writing those bits that comes through Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and I, I also, yeah, I kind of wanted to make it a bit of a sort of love story to New York in a way. Yeah. Um, but I also, another thing that I don't see, maybe I'm just reading the wrong books, but <laughs> that much in contemporary fiction is, is that much work, actually. Um, and I think work is such a huge part of our yeah. identities yeah. and can be such a positive thing. Um, and I, I wanted that to come across, you know, a, a, the book in, is in a sense about fulfillment and the diff and different types of fulfillment, the fulfillment that you get from having children, the fulfillment that you get from friendships and the fulfillment that you get from career. Um, so that was really, you know, a lot of what the New York parts mm. of the book were trying to do. I love that. And because so many of us do get our sense of identity from our careers. So I love the way you explored that with Stevie because it's when she goes on maternity leave that she starts getting you know, quite antsy about what, oh my God, what have I done? Have I, you know, gotten, have I ruined my career that I've worked so hard for, which I know many mothers who are about to go on maternity leave, they do get that sort of fear. Yeah. And I actually think that, you know, so much about having children is 
is gain and you know I, I i love my children so much and they're the best thing that's ever happened to me but i do think that you know in terms of career you do lose something when you have children i do remember being myself being at being on maternity leave and just thinking i'm you know i missed my job but mm. you get so much you know you get totally different type of approbation and, and all that sort of stuff and satisfaction from a job um from, you know don't get a lot of approbation from a baby right yeah. the beginning. <laughs> you know baby doesn't smile for the first sort of six five or six weeks um you know it, it cries a lot and um and you know and, and changing nappies and feeding is just very different from yes what you know most women experience in their jobs so you know that I did really feel a kind of sense of culture shock and um yeah a, a real real identity shift when I had children and I wanted to yeah that. well I'm so glad you put that pen to paper because I think that is such a hot topic that isn't discussed as openly as it should be and I want to come on to now some of the friendships that you've explored in the book. Um, and I love the way you've drawn some sort of parallels very subtly throughout. So, for example, there's a scene quite early on where Stevie's best friend Mira comes to visit her in New York and she tells Stevie that she's pregnant. And I so sympathise with Stevie's reaction because her initial reaction is it's actually quite rude and she takes it very personally. <laughs> mm. Like Mira, her best friend getting pregnant is a personal affliction on her. Um, and Mira actually says, I'm pregnant for God's sake. I haven't slept with your boyfriend or robbed a bank. Can you just be happy for me? And then years later, when Stevie tells Lex, her boss, that she's pregnant, his reaction is disappointment. So it's very similar to Steve's reaction a few years back. Um, so was that intentional? And is that maybe another taboo that you think exists? Um, and yeah, what? Yeah, what yeah well, first of all, I mean, God, I wish I could say it was really intentional, that mirroring thing, but uh, <laughs> until you pointed it out, I hadn't actually, I hadn't actually thought of that. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. Yes, I mean, they're both disappointed, aren't they? And uh, another theme I wanted to explore was the, the impact that pregnancy and having children can have on friendships because you do enter a completely different life stage when you have children and I think it makes it potentially a little bit difficult to relate you know from both sides so someone who might not have had children yet or might not want to have children um you know might feel that their friend has yeah just entered a different realm and and, and they can't relate as well to them um and that's definitely something that Stevie feels um yeah she's not ready for Mira to have children you know Mira no. I think is in you know she's she's in her mid-30s by then and and she's been married for a couple of years but um you know she, Stevie had expected them to do things at the same time so yes she's she's a bit put out and I think yeah. it also makes her suddenly think oh god is this something that I should be doing I don't feel ready for it but it but I do want to do it at some point yeah um so it really kind of kicks that urge into gear in a way um and then the Lex bits I do think that that's another taboo you know I do think that women are discriminated against often when they um become pregnant or have children um and yes so I, I wanted to include mm. that that in the book as well another character that I have to talk about is Nathan oh good <laughs> because I loved him he's my absolute favorite I love <laughs> even when she's back in London that's still the friend she turns to even though he's yeah. like a it's a phone call away rather than like seeing in person and he's always there and clearly babies aren't like his favorite thing but he he's totally there for Stevie um, and I just loved that and it made me think did you have a favorite character when writing 
And did any of the characters change throughout the writing process? Um, I'm so glad you like Nathan. Um, he's, he's probably my favourite character too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I found him the easiest to write. I found his dialogue really easy. Um, as you said, you know, he's, he's um, Stevie's sort of gay best friend. Uh, yes, and he's not particularly interested in babies, um, but he's a massive support um, to her. Uh, and she, you know, she really relies on him. And partly because he, he doesn't have, as she says at one point, um, any kind of agenda. He hasn't had children. Um, and so he sort of, I guess, can be a bit more objective in his advice. Um, yes, so so I did really enjoy hit, hit writing him. Um, other ch characters, I guess the character that probably changed most was Jess, uh, Stevie's mm. big sister. I think she was a bit obliquely drawn in earlier drafts and she was some someone that I worked on a lot with my editor, Sarah, um, who was amazing. Um, yes, I mean, I, I, it was, I found out her quite a challenge actually to flesh out and she definitely needed fleshing out because she's a really important character. Mm. Um, she, she lives in, in, in New York. She's lived in New York for quite a long time before Stevie moves out there. And she's one of the reasons that Stevie moves there. Um, but she, I mean, she's quite quiet and she's quite sort of elusive. And I found that, you know, fleshing out a quite, making a yeah. quiet character speak yeah. <laughs> was quite tricky. But, uh, but but I got there in the end. Um, so yes, so she, she changed quite a lot. Mm. She's like one of those characters that you have a really good scene with her and you think you've gotten to know her and then she just slips away from you again. Um, and I'm conscious that we might have made Stevie sound like a bit of a bitch in this conversation, <laughs> but she's not at all. She we is, love Stevie. She, so I really warm to her. And she's obviously got this very complicated relationship with her own mother as well, which we haven't touched on because, of course, she's on this journey to becoming a mother herself. But she does have quite a complicated relationship with her own mother. Mm, mm. So I love the way you've explored motherhood intergenerationally as well, if that's word. Um yeah and looked at it you know how your experience as a mother very much determines your own is determined by your own relationship with your mother Absolutely. as well to many yeah. points yes yes I think that's 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 definitely the case and um yeah exactly um without wanting to give too much away I think yes you yeah. find out um you know uh Stevie's own upbringing has an impact on, on the mother that she becomes and yeah. the struggles that she experiences early on with her baby, Ash. So yeah, that was another important part of the story. <laughs> well, Kate, your book is truly phenomenal. And I mean that oh, from the heart, honestly, you. it's one of those books that has just really opened my eyes and will definitely stay with me for a really long time oh. because it was equally heartbreaking as it was uplifting. And I think it's a must read for everyone, like we've already said, man or woman, um, to just start lifting those really unhelpful taboos that we have in society around motherhood. Um, but before we let you go, could you please leave listeners with another reco of your own of a book you've recently read and loved yourself? Definitely, yes. So um, one of the books I've read recently that I really loved is a book called The Bread the Devil Needs, and it's by Lisa Allen Agostini. Um, I picked it up because it was on the Women's Prize long list, and I'm pleased to say it's now on the short list. Um, so it's written um, in Trinidadian Creole, which is a beautiful kind of lifting, lilting, sorry, um, la language. Um, so I really love the prose, and it follows a character called Alethea, 
um, who, I mean, it, it's an extremely serious subject. It's about Alethea's cycle of um, sexual and domestic abuse that she suffered um, basically since she was a child, but which makes it sound like a really depressing book. Um, uh, but it, it's actually not. Um, you know, she's a fantastic character. She's very funny. And it's really a story about resilience and, and survival. Um, so, yeah, I'd really recommend that. Um, and I hope that it might, you know, maybe win the Women's mm -hmm. Prize. Although there are a lot of really good titles there are, on, there. on that list, including Sorrow and Bliss, which I absolutely loved. And I'm yeah. sure you two did as well. I've and got... then I started another novel last night, actually, which I really loved, um, which is um, The Wedding Night by Harriet Walker, which has Ooh. just come out in paperback. Um, and I'm only a couple of chapters in, but I'm already pretty gripped. It's got a great <laughs> premise. Oh, OK. Is... I've not heard of that one. Oh, well, put it on your list. Um, okay. It is about uh, the very first chapter um, or the very first okay, paragraph. Paragraph. I think it starts with an email from a bride and groom cancelling their wedding. <laughs> Love it already, I'm in. Exactly. Um, but uh, the wedding party, so the bridesmaids and, and uh, best man decide to go um, on the holiday anyway because they've booked the flights, they've booked <laughs> the accommodation. So yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, that does sound that. really good. And I've got the bread the devil need on my birthday oh, wish list. Yes. Oh, have you? Yeah, because I've tried to complete the shortlist. Oh, well um, so now yeah. I'm even more excited for it. Thank you very much. Good. I always try and, and complete the shortlist and, and I never succeed. So, well, we've got two of us. We've split it. Yeah, okay. we did it last year and we were like, okay, we're doing it. Oh, this. did you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what's your favorite so far? Can I ask? Oh, it would probably be, we're both, you're not, we went to the Sorrow and Bliss event a few weeks ago with Meg Mason and it's given me a whole new perspective on the book. Um, really? and Jess has started reading it as well, yeah, haven't you? Finished. And I love it, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's, yeah, Characterization it's funny, is just completely yeah. brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would love to see that actually, but I haven't read, I haven't read this one yet. So uh, who knows? I feel no. like last year I was like, oh, it's going to be um, The Vanishing Half, and then Piranesi just came out of nowhere and started oh, right, yeah. and that was phenomenal, yeah. but yeah, so it could be the same. <gasps> Can't wait. Bets. <laughs> oh Kate thank you so much this has been an absolute joy um when this episode comes out Hush comes out the next day but actually as we were discussing earlier it has already snuck out into some shops so please make sure you go out and buy it and Kate thank you so much again thank you so much for having me that was really fun was so great Kate is so lovely isn't she and I, yeah. I genuinely just want everybody to go and buy her book because it is just <laughs> oh it's so good yeah it's very cleverly done mm. um and now I'm just even more excited to talk about School for Good Mothers which we read a while ago mm. and is firmly in my top 10 of the year is it in yours we literally read them out last week and I can't remember if it was in yours <laughs> no it's not oh well, I, I really enjoyed it, but it's I'm not in it. my top ten. It's so in mine. Um, and I'm now also going to circle us back to March. Just going to circle back. Because this was not appreciated enough at the time. When we did the International Women's Day panel at the Flox Books event, yeah. I gave such a good on-the-spot <laughs> summary of School for Good Mothers. 
and like I made myself want to read the book and so I'm not going to let you drop the snuff I'm actually going to repeat all right I said I'm going to oh I'm going to try it's been a few months now but honestly I actually smashed it out of the park I feel like so I'm just going to do it again okay (laughs) crack on and we we need to in future when these great moments happen be like ghost after you you know you've got to lift each other up for your yeah teams. were you expecting fan mail or something when you say <laughs> I didn't get enough recognition at the time I think because usually we have to read the blurb you know yeah yeah I, I mean to be cut. fair I'm awful at this so uh yeah okay stop teasing everyone just tell us okay drop it Frida leaves her young daughter at home whilst running a few errands for what ends up being a few hours and social services find out however in this dystopian world the social services take more drastic measures and Frida is sent to the school for good mothers where they have some unorthodox methods to train women to be better mothers in the hope that on completing a series of tests over the course of a year they will then regain custody of their children on the outside world of course the school for good mothers very different to the school for good fathers and this book perfectly comments on sexism as well as classism racism and parenthood and i did write out that last sentence because again i was like i'm never gonna get that again i'm gonna I really took some time to write out that last sentence well done jess everyone it, right? you can send your fan mail in via our dms <laughs> to so jess feels appreciated no it's a brilliant it's a, a very well succinct summary and oh gosh yeah there's just so much to get into in this book so much to unpack and it also it has been a while since we read it and mm. I know that Lauren that doesn't work so well for you sometimes sometimes <laughs> me too you know I saw a meme today that was like can we normalize reading a book making it a favorite and then immediately forgetting everything that happened. yes I saw that too and I was like I feel seen <laughs> they've seen this is it's so good um and I started it off thinking oh like for um Frida maybe motherhood isn't for her maybe it doesn't come naturally to her or she doesn't like the way life has turned out which is kind of like hush yeah but it's also I think I had those thoughts because I'd not long before read The Push by Ashley Audrain which we are going to come on to as well that's another one of the records we're giving yeah um but anyway, over the course of School for Good Mothers, what really comes through is her love for her daughter. Yeah. And how she loves her so much that it actually hurts. Yeah. And my God, I just felt for Frida so much. And I found it so real despite being distressed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really empathized with her. And it's funny, actually, because Frida in School for Good Mothers is not dissimilar, in fact, to Stevie and Hush in that they're both single mothers. They're struggling to raise a child on their own. And in fact, Frida is sent to the school for good mothers for leaving her child alone. Um, And there's a point in the book where Stevie does the same. So actually, they're very similar. And um, Stevie in this dystopian world would have been sent to this school. Yeah. And um, like when Stevie did it, it reminded me of this book. And then it prompted me Mm. to think about... same. um, so Pandora Sykes, um, she has, if you don't know, we have talked about it, um, a new subscription box service, which is called Pandora's Books. Very clever play on Pandora's Box. And she chose this um, as her book choice a few months ago. And so part of that subscription is that 
you get the book, but then you also get to either have an in-person event or a virtual event where you watch Pandora interview the author. Oh, it's so good. And we do actually have a code for everyone because it's such a great event and we're really chuffed to be working with Pandora's books and fame. So if you want 10% off a box, you can just use code RECOS10, that's R-E-C-C-O-S-1-0 for 10% off. There you Excellent go. Excellent plug, Lauren. Well done. I would have forgotten about the code. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, in her discussion um, about this book, I didn't know this before, and I guess that's because I live in the UK, but um, real government, there, there is such a thing as real government-sponsored parenting classes in the US. In the US. Um, and oh, so really? she so she knew about then obviously who did who saying, knew about it um Pandora author. oh oh okay, yeah so sorry, she yeah. Like, sort of used that as her basis I see thing that existed she massively elevated it um and like in her one the school is actually a prison that they're given the clothing they share rooms oh, wow. cells um and their visitation is like these 10 minutes facetimes with their child that could be taken away at the drop of a hat so in the us oh sorry like, i thought you meant the us no no so, so this is like, like her what? massively elevating yeah. it to turn it into prison yeah um and it's just so scary that actually so then when stevie left her child yeah. in hush i was like hmm, i know that these are a real thing i wonder if she's going to be found out like yeah yeah oh that's um yeah that's so it's it's hard to you know it, it, it's it seems like it's such a far off topic but f- for both of these women for Stevie and well actually for freedom specifically it's that her husband left her and she didn't choose to be a single mother mm. she didn't choose for her husband to leave her so you know she went into the decision of having a child in very much thinking that, you know, it's a family unit. Yeah. She's yeah. going to have support yeah. and her and her family don't live um, in the same state as her, do they? They live quite far away. Yeah. Which I guess is like Stevie, even though she moves back to England to have her baby, her family aren't local. Yeah. Her sister's local. One of her sisters is local, but yeah. Mm. Um, what also, I mean, this is apparent across all three books that we're going to talk about um and maybe it will be our segue into the hu- into the push oh my god I hadn't realized that hush and push are the same word <laughs> but they're pronounced yeah. completely differently look at that for english language hush hush push push that would be push wouldn't it yeah hush and push this isn't this so fun um anyway what i wanted to say was talk about the judgments in motherhoods this is absolutely outrageous. We know that anyway. But um, it was again, whilst the author was, I've totally forgotten her name on my book's not here. Is it Jasmine Chan? Jasmine. Have I just made that up? Jasmine. Yeah, yeah it's pronounced Jasmine. Um, and they were talking about how so many of the judgmental comments that she's heard in real life. So anytime there's like a judgmental comment on motherhood, mm-hmm. she will have heard it herself. And then she's put it in her book. So you're reading, oh, like, right. God, this is all just so toxic. No one would say that. It's all bloody real. Like that section yeah. is technically not fiction. Yeah. And they just, and again, like Stevie gets judgment, as we mentioned earlier, like her boss, for example, um, in the push, which we'll get on to, she, there's 
like you basically can't do anything right yeah like, I know as a, as a mother you're, you're damned if you breastfeed you're damned if you don't like every I know isn't that just so cruel yeah and it's like almost and I see so many I think it almost feel like I've said this before on the podcast but like as soon as a celebrity has a baby they maybe didn't really get hate before I didn't really talk about it and then they have a baby and they get so much hate mm. just because people were like you shouldn't do it that way like oh my god whatever works for you and your child crack on yeah yeah you try That's raising another human yeah and it comes through in all three of these books even though actually you pointed this out earlier that they're all completely different genres yeah because the push is a thriller this school for good mothers is dystopian and and kate's hush is i'd say contemporary fiction yeah and how cleverly it is done across all the genres i know and the same stigma yeah around parenting is prevalent in all of them mm-hmm. because it's so true <laughs> and actually while you were just saying that i had saved a post on instagram that i wanted to chat about um and i found it now so it was and actually, we should post this on our stories on the day. Oh, yeah. Okay. Note to self. Um, so it was pictures of a dad and a mum next to each other doing the exact same thing, but the different labels they get. So the first one is each parent comes home with a bag of fast food. And it says, fun dad, lazy mum. Yeah. The next one, dad dropping off at school, waving in his business suit. Mum dropping off at school, waving in her work clothes. Involved dad, working mum. Dad mm. doing the shop in the supermarket a super helpful dad a mum doing a shop in the supermarket a mum <laughs> dad reading a bedtime story babysitting mum reading a bedtime story parenting yeah this one's a bit rubbish i'm gonna skip that dad um pushing a buggy looking at his phone present dad mum pushing a buggy looking at her phone inattentive mum yeah god just you reading all of those I have seen that post it just makes my blood boil we actually used it at my IWD IWD event this year and like referred to it as one of the reasons in which women's equalities this has still got so long to go because you're so right like subconsciously or consciously you do look at those um different scenarios and your brain does put different labels on the actions of a father and a mother um and those double standards are also you mentioned it in your perfectly succinct um blurb at the beginning Mm, Jess but those those differences between mothers and fathers are also prevalent in the school for good mothers because as Jess alluded to the the women get sent to the school for good mothers and the men get sent to I don't think it's called the school for good fathers I can't remember they just I can't remember I don't remember it being it's called the that same, even if but it it's is. not the same and they get completely different treatment the men are allowed to they their privileges never get taken away from them so they're allowed to call their children as often as they like um the women the mothers a conditioned to repeat this phrase I'm a bad mother but I'm learning to be good throughout the book so every so it almost like it's like they're in a cult and they're they're it's being drummed into their psyche whereas what do you remember what the men's version I is I can't but it's literally something like I am bettering myself to be yeah I'm like improving it's so it's so not 
it's not it's not negative it's not negative at all um so there that was believable for me yeah um that I love that she did that same about having a school for good fathers and how yeah and how different it is and you know how the the punishments put on women on the mothers was nowhere near as what the fathers have to go through they there's felt like a holiday camp compared to what the mothers were experiencing day to day um gosh it I feel like we've just touched the surface but we could just go in uh, you just need to read it it's honestly so interesting it will make you think so much it's completely unguessable as to what's going to happen next like there's a big sort of I would say twist yeah and I purposely haven't mentioned a part of the school because when I read it I was like what the fuck yeah um Lauren do you remember exactly how it ended we're obviously not going to discuss it but I just wondered um yeah yeah because I do remember exactly how it ended but I also still know to this day that and I've read it like 10 times I don't quite understand what happened (laughs) so when we come offline can we please discuss (laughs) because I kept reading it like no, no. Oh, wait. Mm, uh, I think and- it was meant to be ambiguous, though. I think you're meant to be like. OK, I thought I was just stupid. OK, that makes me feel better. OK. <laughs> Obviously read it so I wonder if anyone else has felt the same. They probably have. Like, because you remember when we read Paper Palace and we talked about it, we both thought she ended yes. up with like different Yeah, that's so true. I was like, maybe the same things happened again. <laughs> mm. Jokes. Um Okay. So maybe should we move on to the next next book now? Let's move on to the next book now. And Lauren, I'm gonna let you drop this the last oh, time. You, you spoil can. me. It's a good blurb from what I remember. Okay, let's put it to the test. So the push by Ashley Audrain. What of what <laughs> great start, great start. <laughs> what if your experience of motherhood was nothing like what you hoped for, but everything you always feared? The arrival of baby Violet was meant to be the happiest day of my life, a fresh start. But as soon as I held her in my arms, I knew something wasn't right. I've always known that the women in my family weren't meant to be mothers. My husband Fox says I'm imagining it, but she's different with me. Something feels very wrong. Is it her? Is it me? Is she a monster or am I? The push is an addictive, gripping and compulsive read asking what happens when women are not believed and challenging everything we think we know about motherhood that is one eerie synop oh chills it is so perfect for this book because I actually got goosebumps while reading this book and it's also like if um Kate Maxwell's book Hush was a thriller this is what it would be yeah but this one is actually more creepy because learn about the child more whereas in case it's very much about no that's what I mean if like oh, Kate wanted to write it as a thriller it would be very this would be a really similar book wouldn't it yeah but but, but I do think the difference is that we learn more about more about the child about Violet whereas yeah she's creepy as Stevie. fuck she is creepy as fuck also Violet's um, quite a creepy name I don't know why there's a very yeah. well it was a very well chosen name for her yeah for sure um, I do like it as a name, but it does have eerie vibes. I guess because it begins with a V. That's quite exotic, you know. <laughs> no, come across that letter very often, do you? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, mm. that 
because I had read the push, I had feelings about Frida, which actually then didn't turn out to be true. And I, I've actually, I tabbed quite a few pages while reading this and I've got my book here. Um, there was like a whole bit about how she was planning to escape. She was like, I, had, I thought about ways to get out and blah, blah, blah. And then it ends with, these are thoughts I never let leave my lips. These are thoughts most mothers don't have. And that's kind of similar to Stephen, yeah. where she's like, why is no one else thinking like this? Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. but again, it is like Frida, because she did leave the house. So does Stevie. Yeah, but like I was, my point was that they're not that similar because Frida feels really bad about it, where it's like you never really feel uh, that. Yeah. that um, I've totally forgot her name. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. The woman in this, you never really get that vibe that she doesn't, that she feels bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. I, I understand what you mean. She fully um, blames her child. Yeah, I mean, all of these books do sort of explore like the chemicals, the yeah. chemical imbalance that's at play when you you have a child because your chemical your chemical balance in your brain and your hormones do change when you give birth. And I think what's all what's just assumed by everyone is that you're just going to be filled with oxytocin and love. But these book, these books all portray different, you know, what but what if that doesn't happen? What if you're not given that oxytocin burst? And that's quite normal. And that this is what, you know, this is what could happen. Yeah. And actually, I don't know if you saw this. So me and Lauren follow an account called Twin Perspectives. We'll have to show their account on this date. They they both relatively new mums and they did a Mm -hmm. question box of what were your early thoughts in like the first few weeks of being a mother? Yeah. Shared all the answers. And pretty much everyone was like, this is not what it was promised to me. Yeah. This is not what I thought it would be. I'm scared of killing my baby. I don't like my baby. Like they were all the same. Clearly yes. nobody has these feelings. So why don't we talk about them enough? Yeah. Like at least we've read three books that are, you know, that have these yeah. similarities in them. But yeah, absolutely not enough. It's still massively sold to everyone as this great experience. Yeah. Um, I have to say I'm not sold at this point. <laughs> I'm yet to meet a parent that sells mothers to me. Oh my God, I know. That's fucking awful. <laughs> um and <laughs> <laughs> to any mothers listening, I'm sure it's not awful. <laughs> um, anyway, I wanted to, I, and I just found the, another page I tabbed, which brings us back to this father, mother, men, women. Oh, okay, yeah. And maybe I'll read, no, I'll just read a few lines. Said, you wanted me alert and patient. You wanted me rested so I could perform my duties. You used to care about me as a person, my happiness, the things that made me thrive. Now I was a service provider. You didn't see me as a woman. I was just the mother of your child. And Oh, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, and it comes because she starts writing while the baby's asleep because she's a writer. But the dad just wants her to sleep when the baby's asleep because she has to be alert alert yeah like there's who is it in hush is it rebecca in hush she says to stevie well all relationships change once you have a baby because your partner sees you in a different light now like now your whole your the dynamic of your relationship is no longer just the two of you you're you're now you have this 
whole other person that you're both responsible for so you know the relationship dynamic changes but I do think there's a lot to be said around that the it's the perception of the woman in the relationship whose identity changes a lot more than the man's and that their body has crazy changed. I know you know, I know. they just naturally don't have the same changes I guess but yeah back to that bit you read from the push um I really liked actually how throughout it's all written in the first person isn't it and she sort of uses I you we throughout and I remember I was getting confused at certain points because like who are you who's talking about now and I think she was meant that was meant to cause a bit of confusion um because you 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 weren't you you just she wanted you so in her world that you're on that journey with her and it was like she was just talking to you yeah yeah and like saying things at you yeah 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 she was annoyed and concerned and yeah we're still very much on the theme here because this is such a twisty turny plot we I really know. can't get that deep into it but chill. oh my god the ending <gasps> chills chills oh my god yeah it's I a brilliant ending, ending. yeah <laughs> so good and yeah. I just need a sequel this would be a great book club book I thought you were because... gonna say a great film and it would be uh, and it and it would be <laughs> it would be very like women in the window vibes mm that sort of dark psychological thriller. But um, I think it would make a really good, if you're in a book club, I think yeah. it would make a really good book club book because you can then talk about the ending yeah. and talk about how messed up it messed up yeah. it is. Um, and actually all three of the books we've mentioned today would make a great book club book. Yeah. I think and I, I'm, I think I'm actually book surprised club. that we've, <laughs> that we have, I mean, I would say we've talked about them succinctly, but I don't know if we have. We've babbled a bit. But because we're, you know, we're covering three in one episode, we aren't getting too deep. That's mm. for you to do with your book club. Yeah. That's your homework. It's homework for you. <laughs> um, but do you have what... a favourite out of these three? Hush. Oh, yeah. Did you? School for Good School Mothers. For good but you know I'm an absolute bitch for dystopians. So you are. Crazy. You really are. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I loved School for Good Mothers, but you, I remember at the time you were messaging me saying, holy fucking shit, like, this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and I was reading it at the same time for you, and I was, as you was, and I was like, yeah, like, it's good, but I didn't get that sort of excited feeling that you got with School for Good Mothers, whereas with Hush, I don't know, like, I I actually cried whilst reading Hush at one point Did because you? I felt so sad for stevie yeah it, it is a it is sad it is sad yeah but it uh, but sad not in a way that's just like indulgent sad girl fiction it was sad because it was like oh no this is like this it's real life yeah <laughs> like this shit happens all the time and yeah. that's why i felt sad yeah and i did really love the push but it did feel less real yeah i mean it was a thriller i'm never gonna yeah. you know i'm never gonna fall in love with a thriller but it can still be a five-star read this is absolutely one of my favorite fil- thrillers though yeah same like same top tier thriller yeah <laughs> um because it tackles like a really rich subject area yeah um and it's got quick chapters oh we love the sh- fast 
love its chapters. Oh, well, that was a really good episode, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I'm I can't wait to log off, confirm the ending on School for Good Mothers with you, and just continue to constantly talk about these three books till the end of time. <laughs> this is not the end. I love it, because yeah, I mean there are there are so many different spins we could take with this episode, but I really like that we had one from each genre. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please like, subscribe and leave a rating and review. It costs you nothing, but it genuinely means the world to us. And you can always share the podcast with your reading buddy too. If you don't already, then follow us on Instagram at BookRecos for funnily enough more book recommendations. See you next week. We'll be here.